Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, you're going to disprove more than you prove, but that's a good thing as well. Yeah. Because you learn about things that just don't work. Um, and at the end of the day, we all want to find something that is going to work and we're going to have confidence in because we're putting our own money at risk. So absolutely, we want to make sure it works. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 that you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest coming to us all the way from Australia, Stuart McPhee from stuartmcphee.com, author of Trading in a Nutshell. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the phone today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Absolutely. So I, uh, I've been telling people that I've been going down the, the, tra- the Chat with Traders uh, podcast guest list, and I'm totally poaching everybody off there. <laughs> and of course, your name came up and I was like, I would love to have a chat with Stuart. Now, Stuart, you, you've been trading for a while and you wrote your, your book, Trading in a Nutshell, all the way back in 2001, and you're on your fourth edition now going into 21. Um, so, so give us a little bit of background on, on who you are and how you came to be and how trading in a nutshell kind of evolved along the way. Sure. I'll give you the, I'll try to give you the short version. So back in what is a long time ago, maybe mid nineties, um, really when I first had the interest in the markets and stocks and trying to trade, um, my wife and I had some money saved up. We went to someone to get some advice on what we should do with that money and she looked at us and said, oh, you're both so young. You should be investing in stocks, you know, higher risk. Um, you've got all the rest of the world, you know, rest of the, your life to, to benefit. And we thought, yeah, stocks, sure. Um, that's the start. And that got my interest. And it was 
or where do we go? Like, how do we choose? There's not one stock listed on the exchange. There's nor there's two or three, you know, there's thousands. So which one do you pick? Well, that really, I guess, triggered a thought in my head about how, how do people find out which ones to buy and sell? How do they do that? That's where it all started. That's a long time ago. And then um, we moved to the United States in 97, 98. And that was my first foray, I guess, into cable television mm. and seeing all the channels. You know, here I am coming from Australia at the time, not having a pay TV service where I had five channels. And all of a sudden now I've got 105. And of course, some of those were financial and they were just all day talking about markets. And I'm going, wow, this is, this is it. This is the stuff I really should be listening to. And this is clearly going to give me an edge, an advantage. I'll go back to Australia um, so much better armed and educated and et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> that didn't quite work out as easily as that, but it certainly sparked huge interest. And I came back and all of a sudden I had the checkbook out and I was signing up for courses and I was giving people a lot of money to learn how to do this. Well, that's now more than 20 years ago. Um, so I was actively trading in 99, 2000, 2001, and some contact got in touch with someone about a book. They wanted to just give a really good beginner's guide to trading. And I thought, that's me. I've actually just been through all that. Um, I haven't been trading for 40 years, but I've just gone through the journey of getting into that beginning. Where, how do you start? Um, you know, what are the first steps? Um, that's, that was me. I've just lived that. Mm -hmm. So um, got in touch with a publisher, long story short, you know, started writing. Um, a lot of it got returned you know, with red lines, just that classic, you know, from school, you know, big red lines through the whole page. This is no good. This is, you know, not appropriate. Um, devastated by that, thinking I was pouring my heart out into trying to help people. Anyway, sure enough, at some point, the first edition was uh, published in 2001 and there's been, it's obviously sold well enough and resonated with enough people that the publishers have wanted to support it with uh, subsequent editions. And now the fourth edition, which, you know, continues to sell. Um, obviously, it still resonates with people and, and helps people out. So that's the short of it, of where I've got to that point of having uh, one book. And I, I should just add, I think I've always wanted to write a book. I don't know why. I've just had, wouldn't that be really cool to be an author and to write a book? I just didn't know what the topic would be. And so when the opportunity, hey, you've just been through this journey, they're looking to write a beginner's guide, I'm, that's me. That, that would check off one of the things I've always wanted to do. Mm. And <clears throat> when your book is successful, the publisher wants you to write additional books. They want you to do another one. They, they want to promote. And I said, I'm done. I, I, <laughs> I, I always wanted to write one. And when I wrote one and I could check that box, I had no more desire or motivation to write another. That's, I'm not, that's probably not common, but that's, uh, I checked the box. Done. Well, you always wanted to uh, write one. <clears throat> always. <laughs> that's what always you said. wanted to yeah, just be called an author for some reason. Yeah. I, I, I did that. I've checked that box. I uh, really didn't have much motivation to do another. But clearly the fourth edition or the trading in a nutshell has obviously helped. Obviously, a lot of people have uh, taken it to expos and everything all around the world in my suitcases and sold it to people. And obviously, people have bought it elsewhere as yeah, well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've shared this with the, the audience over the year, but my goal is to read 100 books 
over the course of this year. And I, this is definitely going in my Amazon cart right after we get off the phone here. So I can uh, make sure I get, get through that one. So extraordinary. That's, that's one every three days. That's extraordinary. Uh, I, I do days. a lot of audiobooks too, but right, okay. um, I also, so I'm a huge uh, believer in exercise. I don't know if you are. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I actually uh, go for a walk which I have heard burns more fat than running, which is crazy. But um, I've been going for walks for two and a half hours a day. You can knock okay. through a lot of books when you're two <clears throat> yes. times speed, two and a half hours a day. Let of me course, tell you. of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, so, so Stuart, you were trading through the dot-com bubble. Um, was that, I mean, were you trading those stocks or, or, or were you like with today's meme stocks? Like I've, t- I've kind of just like let those go. Were you trading into those uh, tech stocks back in the day? Yeah, I was. Um, it's a time in my trading journey I'll never forget. Um, from around mid-99 to the end of that year, into early 2000s, I was trading quite actively. Probably too actively, but I was. I didn't know any different. Um, but I was actually starting to make some money. Um, things were moving so well, I could purchase them first thing in the morning, sell them five minutes before close, and I'd actually made money. And I didn't really do anything. Like it's just, it's almost too easy. And it was happening on a regular basis. Um, that's how fast and how aggressive things were moving. And then <clears throat> that just accelerated through the early months of 2000. Um, and things just went stupid. I mean, just really, they were quite silly. Well, cl- sure enough, my account is just now growing at a ridiculous rate. And, but then something clicked. And of course, it all came crashing down. And I didn't do what I was supposed to do and get out. I eventually did. And then I started to, I'd lost a lot of money. I'd actually handed it all back. And then I thought there was that revenge in me when it started to climb back up again and go, oh, it's, it's going to happen again. Uh, it's going to be a complete, just uh, identical to watch this happen. I'll make as much money again. <clears throat> so I've got in again, been very aggressive and lost even more. Um, oh. <clears throat> and I do share this with people where, the worst part of that whole experience was telling my wife what had happened. That was the worst bit. Um, and it was, it was horrible. Um, incredibly supportive. I couldn't have asked for a better response from her, but that was the worst bit. And then over the next three to four to five months, when I tried to make it all back and do it again, and I lost even more, well, guess what? I had to tell my wife again. Horrible experience. That was a real turning point for me. Um, I mean, I had to stop. I had nothing more to play with, to trade with. I was forced to stop. Um, I then spent the next six months hitting the books mm. and learning. Uh, and now this was a, a really key moment because I know and I have stood on a stage with many, many people and I've spoken to lots of people over the years all around the world and I know there's a healthy level of scepticism in that audience. They're not convinced that you can be successful trading the markets. They're not convinced. Um, they've tried it. They've failed. They've made a bit of money but lost more. They talk to people there. Oh, they're struggling too. They've also got some challenges. It hasn't been successful for them. They are incredibly sceptical, and I think that's a very healthy thing. The good thing for me, and so that I think almost is an obstacle for people because they almost look for the problems rather than the solutions. Um, but <clears throat> for me, in the 12 months prior to that, I actually had made money mm-hmm. and I had seen it was possible and I was convinced I knew it was possible. 
I just had to do it in a different way. I had to be far better at it. I had to manage risk when I wasn't previously. Um, I had to trade less. There were other things, but I, I had seen it was possible. So I had passed that massive obstacle of that scepticism and that doubt. I knew it was possible because I'd, I'd experienced it. So for me, it was just, let's keep going. Let's, let's do this. But I think we need to fine-tune, maybe fine-tunes being too generous. I really had to change significantly the way I was doing it so far as managing risk and just the mindset, the attitude, the, the whole psychological part of it and be far more conservative and, and just do it, things a lot differently. But I had been convinced, so I knew I was going to keep going. Um, I knew there was a way to do it. So that was a real turning point. But yes, to answer your question, yes, I was quite aggressive and active during that time, but it turned out to be an incredible learning experience where I'm not sure I'd be here today had I not been through it. Um, <clears throat> and sorry, if I just finished, I remember reading in a few books about people saying, oh, I lost a fortune and that was a real turning point and I don't think I'd be successful had I not lost that fortune. And I'd read that on multiple occasions, maybe reminiscences of a oh, stock yeah. operator was one example of that. And I thought, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to lose a fortune. And that's the only way, the only pathway to being successful. I don't want to do that. Sure enough, it happened to me. Um, I still don't wish it upon anyone, but it happened to me. I didn't want it to, but it was quite a turning point. I, I, I'm having a really hard time just biting my tongue on this because this is almost exactly the same route that I took. Like as soon as you said I had to tell my wife, I don't know if you know, I smiled real big and it wasn't because I was like, oh, look at him telling his wife. It's because like, I've had that conversation. I know that I remember the day it happened. I'm sure you do too. I was, uh, so when I first started trading, I lost two thirds of my account in the first 60 days. And um, I, I, I remember we're driving up the Dallas North Tollway. My wife was driving, which is super unusual. And maybe that's why I remember it. But I was like, hey, listen, I got to tell you how my uh, trading results were going. And <laughs> it's not very good. And she, I lost some money. And she's like, how much? And I was like, well, I lost like two thirds of the account. And I remember her like skirt, you know, as, as we're driving, she was like, how could you do this? You know, all this, how could yous and, and all that stuff. And then at the end of the, her rant, she was like, can't you learn to trade with fake money? And I was like, why had I not thought of paper trading sooner? Stuart, I was like, I, I, I married this, the smartest person in the world at that point. It's like, why, why didn't I really think of that sooner? But yeah, I, uh, I completely, completely 100% have been down the exact same path that you're talking about there. And I share that with the podcast audience, audience all the time. And I, I, I tell other people that I talk to other guests and things, it's like, you've got to be vulnerable because nobody hmm. wants to hear that you made enough money to pay off your house. Nobody wants to hear that you could just go buy that car out there with your earnings today. All they want to know is what lessons that they could learn and implement and basically not have to pay for the tuition that you and I paid from learning mm. uh, on uh, those trades. And they can take those lessons and then apply it for themselves. That, I mean, that's mm. what I have found. The, um, statistically, the, the data will show that you've actually done quite well taking 60 days to lose two thirds of your account. <laughs> You have, because statistics will show that how many accounts, certainly for leveraged products, um, how many accounts are gone within six weeks. Mm -hmm. So not two thirds of the account, but pretty much uh, all of it yeah. within half the time you're talking about. Um, 
So relatively, you've done pretty well. Anyway. <laughs> I've done better since then. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a very common thing. Um, I, I guess I think people just don't know what really they're getting themselves into when they start. They probably don't understand the risk. Uh, maybe they know about it, but are not interested. Uh, that's not the sexy part of it. The sexy part is the profit. Yeah, um, I think they, they want to understand the risk, <clears throat> but until they are emotionally involved in that risk for the first time or 10th time or whatever it takes for them to like Absolutely. understand how to move with it. Um, I was actually doing a, 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 a look at my portfolio this year and my win rate is less than 50%. Um, but my account is well into the green this year. And I was like, I don't think most people could handle this because my, my losers are, t- you know, they're tiny, right? I'll just pick them off, whatever, no big deal. But then I'll let my winners run for weeks or whatever. <clears throat> And I, I mean, mentally, I could not have done that even two years ago. Like I mm. couldn't have cut all those losers. Cause it's like, no, I got to hold it just in case it comes back. Right. <clears throat> I, I think that's mm. what, I think that's the difference between somebody who can be successful and obviously mathematically the person who can't be successful trading stocks. Yeah. I, I think we're conditioned to be all through schooling. We're conditioned to be right. Uh, mm. In the sense of, you know, maybe the pass mark for a subject is 80%. Uh, certainly for different things and different requirements through your life, the pass mark for something might be 80, 90, 70%, 50 would be the absolute bare minimum. So it's not, we're more conditioned that a success is 60, 70, 80%. And here you are having a strike rate of less than 50 and people need to be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. They don't consider, you know, imagine, and I've said this to many people over the years, imagine if I came into an audience of, people who have never traded before, but they're very interested. Um, And I said to them, hey, I've got this system, a set of trading rules uh, to get you into trades, to manage the risk, to get you out of trades. And the strike rate of that system, what I mean by strike rate is the percentage of winning trades is 37%. They'd go, what? They'll think you're crazy. Are you kidding? Like, no, no, thanks. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in 80%, 70, 90, you know, 37. How can you, that's, that's just no measure of success is 37 or 38%. And I can say to them, no, 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 it actually makes money. Oh, they'll just dismiss that. That's just not possible because they just don't know. But we're conditioned that how's 38 successful? You know, how's that a pass? How's that any measure of success, you know, being under 40%? So um, I think, sorry, I, I needed to just backtrack on something you said, which was so true and I'm glad you raised it, was I think we're managing risk. Sometimes the only people, the only way people learn is to physically feel it, physically feel it in their stomach, in their mind, uh, their heart beating, um, you know, quicker. To me, that's the only way that some people learn about how to manage risk and the importance of risk and the psychological side of things is actually physically feeling it in their body, not looking in an Excel spreadsheet and just seeing, some data or some numbers, but actually physically feeling it. Um, And you can talk to people all day about you must do this to manage risk. You must do this, must do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then they feel it themselves and and feel the physical effect on them and they see the consequences. Oh, now I know why Stuart said that 500 times. Now I know and now I understand and now I'll do something about it. Whereas previously I wasn't convinced. Hmm. So what do you think it takes for someone to get to the point where uh, they can physically 
take those losses without uh, emotionally making bad choices? Um, time is probably the simple time and the number of trades. Um, I think over time, in fact, I know over time we become desensitized to it all. Uh, you know, first losing trade, it's the end of the world. Second yeah. losing trade, you know, it's the, why am I wasting my time with this? You know, third losing trade, this is awful. I thought this would be much better, you know, much different. All those early on days, you know, the early trading days of, um, you know, we're so focused on making money because that's our primary motivation to doing this for 99.9% of people, primary motivation. And nothing to be ashamed of that. That's just why people are doing this. And all we're focused on is money and making it. And so the whole idea of losing it doesn't sit well with people, especially when they've had no experience. So I think it's time being desensitized to it. You know, the difference between having had three losing trades and now you just had your 500th losing trade, but you're still trading, you're still in the game. There's a different, I think, response to the 500th and the 1,000th. Um, I think over time we just know and understand and fully appreciate it's part of the process of trading. That's just what trading is. Yeah. Um, you have some good trades, some okay trades, some fantastic trades, but then you have some ones that just just don't work. And sometimes they're the ones that you really did think this would be a great trade and it's just not, and it just doesn't work out. Um, I think over time you become desensitized. And I th think you can relate that to a lot of different occupations, um, whether it be a surgeon, physically putting in a very sharp knife into someone's thorax or something and you go, wow, how are they, ugh, blood and stuff, how do they cope with that? Well, yeah, but that guy's done it 9,000 times. You know, he, he's used to putting a knife into people. Right. Um, and other things, you know, I think it's just time you become desensitized. And I think <clears throat> when you have all these losing trades, but over the next 12 months, two years, five years, things are working and you're doing well and you can see improvement you then fully appreciate that it is very much a part of the journey. And it's part of the experience. Uh, you just can't get 100% right uh, yeah. as much as you try. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you feel about position sizing? As in how important it is or uh, it's, position sizing is very important. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I guess if we go back to the most basic level, the worst thing you can do is just put all of your account into one trade and, and fully expose it. So if we take that next step, we need to break it into pieces, um, whether it be in 10 equal lots or five or 20 or two, two is not great. Um, you know, half of your account is still not a good thing into one trade, one exposure, but we need to break it into pieces. But then we can take that a step further um, rather than equal pieces into each trade. We can assess the level of risk, the volatility, how far away we have our exit level from the entry, and perhaps reduce if it's further away than normal or increase if it's closer and we can adjust according to each trade, then we can take that a step further. Uh, if we're prepared to trade X units or lots or contracts, maybe just for the opening, we trade X divided by two. We only trade half our normal lot. We half the risk. If we know there's a greater than 50% chance of this trade not working out, why don't we just halve the risk right from the start? Yeah. But if it actually does work out, then we put in more. And then we go back to our normal position size. So there's all sorts of different ways we could, you know, position size and manage our risk and manage our trade size. And I think it's very important we do that. Um, I think I can still remember the time when someone finally convinced me of the importance of position sizing 
breaking a capital up, um, allocating capital based on each individual trades, you know, level of risk and volatility and why that was important. I'm not saying it's the only way to do it. I mean, an equal portion method still works. may not be the best, but it still works. Whatever it takes to stop you putting your entire capital into one trade, whatever you need to do to do to avoid that, I think is a good thing. Do you subscribe to the... Uh, I was going to ask, do you subscribe to the idea of using the uh, ATR like the turtles would uh, to position size? Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of average true range. I use ATR in a more than one application, certainly with the exits. It's a very, very important part of my stock uh, trading, uh, my altitude trading system, which I've spoken about to people for many, many years. The exit system, the trailing exit uses ATR. I tell you, when I put that, uh, indicator my exit level on a chart and I show it to people and they go oh that works really well it trails price really well I say to people <clears throat> I cannot put in words how powerful how effective how useful that particular exit method has been for me I can't put it into words um, it's just been extraordinary it's been such a valuable part of what I do and here it is a simple line on a chart <laughs> based from some simple mathematical formula. And yet it's helping me incredibly, you know, it's, it's having such a huge impact and has for 20 years. So yes, I do. I also use ATR to help uh, measure volatility um, in stocks and in different positions, but I'm a huge fan of ATR. Yeah. Just sounds like you and I have a, a lot of similarities <clears throat> in our trading. Um, yeah, I was just saying about position sizing, if I yeah. may, that, you know, trading boils down to three things, you know, how do we get into a trade? How much money do we risk and how do we get out? So there's only three things we address. And the second one is related to the position sizing. You know, how much do we risk? It's a really, really important component. And it's very closely behind how do we get out of trades so far as importance is concerned. So yes, uh, critically important as far as I'm concerned. You know, I was describing to somebody the other day, uh, one of the ways that I trade is pyramiding in, basically buying more in units. Um, And I was like, you know, this is the best way to trade. And the reason being is that let's say you buy one unit and it goes down, well, then you're losing on a small amount. But if it goes up, you can buy another unit. And if it continues to go up, you continue to buy more units. And I was like, so you only really lose on your smallest position. So you can have all these small winners and you just Mm -hmm. keep stacking every time the winners Mm -hmm. move in your favor. Mm -hmm. And when, when they grasped, that it's not an all or nothing, right? It's not either I make yes. the I make the moon Correct. or I have zero. <laughs> Correct. That's spot on. Yeah. Spot well, on. I mean, once they grasped that, it really was a light bulb moment for them that, oh, it doesn't have to be scary, right? I'm just putting on a small amount, making sure it's working, and I'll put on the same small amount as long as it continues to work. Spot on. You know, again, talking to a room of people who have never traded before, and you talk about, you know, putting $5,000 into a trade, and they, you talk about profit and loss, they think if they're going to lose that $5,000. $5,000, right. <laughs> um, now, it could go, of course, but that's not how we plan it to go. Right. You know, we are a little bit more careful than that. But people, I think, very binary. It's either, yeah, the profit or the loss. And they don't think of the idea of actually only making $20 on a trade, or aiming for 2000 or 5000 but you could actually make 20 You could <laughs> make $50,000. Yeah, there's no, there is a lot of in-between ground. And I, I think your point is spot on about it. some people think in terms of a binary, um, as you said, you either get to the moon or you don't. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I took a trade off just yesterday 
and it was an $8 loser. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was because I followed my rules, followed my processes. Yes, of course. And for me, it wasn't working and it just happened to be an $8 loser instead of yes, a, a $5,000 yes. loser. Right. Yes. So, so Stuart, yes. give me a, I hope it's not trade secret, but give me mm-hmm. like an idea of, of your trading system here. Yeah, obviously you'd have to go into any specifics or, or anything like that, but you know, give us a high level overview of, of how you trade. Sure. So I trade stocks and currencies. So I'm going to just talk about stocks. Um, so my stocks, my currencies is more active. Um, when I say active, I'm not trading things for five minutes, but certainly more active than my stocks. And my stocks is more of a conservative medium term. You know, I want to buy things that, have been in an established trend, uptrend for like two or three months already, um, knowing that sometimes stocks can be in those uptrends for three years. So they're the sort of ones I'm looking for. So if I need to wait two or three months for it to come to my attention and say, hey, look, I'm, I've been moving well for the last two or three months, that's okay because, again, I'm, I'm looking at this to be – I want to still be in that position in, in 12 months' time. Yeah, so I'm looking for well-established uptrend uh, volume. I have certain volume filters. I have volatility filters. I have a sort of a rate of return. Uh, so all this is done through software. It's done through number crunching where I, you know, and I've used the same software for more than 20 years. Um, I'm the old if it ain't broke um, approach there that, yeah. you know, all of this is done mathematically. I'll scan 500 stocks. And within 10 seconds, it says, here goes, Stuart, here's the list of 12 that have met that criterion this week. Um, so there's about 20 criterion in there. And I've mentioned a few of them already, but even just a rate of return, you know, how do I t- tell that something has been going up over the last three months? You know, something moving from a dollar to a dollar two is technically going up, mm-hmm. um, but that's not good enough. You know, a 2% move in three months is not what I'm after. So I have a rate of return uh, filter in there as well. Um, I'd have to get my laptop out here somewhere to, to go through every single criterion. But look, I'm looking for well-established medium-term uptrends. And when I mean medium-term, I'm talking two to three months. I got this whole idea from uh, Stan Weinstein mm-hmm. and his four stages of, of share stock movement. Yeah, And I want to get into stage two. Um, I see things going through stage one. I'm not interested because I can do that for three years. Um, I'm interested in something in stage two. Um, would you believe I got from that book he used, I correct me if I'm wrong, he used a 30 week moving average. And so I, I read that one earlier this year. That, that's on my list I've already covered. So yeah, yeah, that sounds right. The 30 week. Yeah. And, I, and I'd never used a weekly chart, not for any great reason. I always use daily charts. So I've gone 30, 150. So I've always for 20 plus years used a 150 day simple moving average. That's one of the most, that's almost like the backbone of this entire system is I will never, ever, ever, and I can say ever 50 times, I'll never, ever buy something trading underneath its 150-day simple moving average and where that simple moving average is going down ever in my yeah. life. I just will not do it. Um, that's counterintuitive because people want to buy things that are going down because they're becoming more and more of a bargain. But so many things we do in trading, we have to be. it's counterintuitive. It, it totally makes is. No yeah, it makes no absolutely. sense at all. Anyway, so 150-day simple moving average is absolutely the backbone of that trading system and supporting it um, are all these other little rules about price and volatility and rate of return. And I have a volume strength indicator. I'll share that with you where 
Um, if I'm looking for the so the last two or three months to be moving well, I probably want to see a small increase in volume supporting that move, you know, aggressive demand. And, um, so what I do is I measure the volume um, for the period of time before that three months. So I look back the three months before that. So let's go months four, five, and six ago. And I'll take the average volume there and I'll compare the last three months volume to that period. And obviously I want it to be greater. And I want it to be greater by more than 10%. For example, so that's all that's all mathematical, and a lot of for, a lot of software today makes it very easy to implement something into software to track all that and measure that. So it's another thing I look for. Um, but but at the gist of it, you are a very uh, mathematical, formulaic uh, trader. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Gotcha. Yes. And that probably. That totally clicks with me because like yeah. when I see people who are drawing lines on charts, like literally just like picking two points and mm -hmm. be like, okay, if it breaks this line, then it's mm -hmm. bullish or, or a flag mm -hmm. and a pennant and all that kind of stuff. That mm -hmm. is so left field to me. Like it doesn't register. But when I'm looking at a moving average, for me personally, I love back testing different moving averages. So I'll look at like a five or 10, 20, something like that. A little, more, a little bit more uh, faster moving than what yes. you're looking at. But you know, if it, if it back tests well, on a 20 exponential moving average, then by all means, why wouldn't I trade it, right? With, you know, everything else lining up. Um, and that's just how, how my mind works is because I now have empirical evidence that says, hey, running on that 20 seems to work really well. It'll give you a X percent over time or the opposite will be true where I think a stock is great. I'll pull it up, I'll back test it real quick and it has a, a negative return. And I'm like, ah, oh, all right, moving on. You know, it, it, that those those ones uh, those ones hurt because it's like I get all excited. And I'm I'm antsy to push the button, making sure everything's working. It's like, oh man, oh well, <laughs> just throw it away. You know, and what you've described there is an example of this um, step by step uh, sequence. I talk to people about how to develop that strategy. How do we get to the point where we have a set of rules we have competency? And what you just came up with was I have made an observation about a twenty period moving average. I need to now go and validate that. I need to prove it or disprove it. Um, let's go ahead and do that. Maybe we make a tweak. Uh, we add this, we remove this, but we are making observations um, and then we're going to go and prove and disprove, validate. And, and you know, you're going to disprove more than you prove, but that's a good thing as well. Yeah. Because you learn about things that just don't work. Um, and at the end of the day, we all want to find something that is going to work. And we're going to have confidence in because we're putting our own money at risk. So absolutely, we want to make sure it works. Um, we just don't want to strive for that thing that works all the time because you'll be right. you know, wasting your time. But I think it sets the expectation, right? Because uh, I use TrendSpider for backtesting. And uh, it's really nice because it's it's all there right there on the screen. It takes seconds to do. And uh, when I see you know something like Twitter, for example, and... I use a five exponential moving average or something like that. And it returns like 157% cumulatively over X number of trades. It's like, I'm pretty confident in this trade. <laughs> but on the other side, uh, you find something that looks like it's doing great. And cumulatively, it might turn out zero or one or two or negative 10, something like that. It's like, you know, this is going to be a pass for me. It just doesn't it doesn't meet my criteria. It doesn't have uh, the volatility, the positive volatility that we're looking for. And so I'll just, I'll just move on. And I tell people that all the time. I, I'm such an advocate for backtesting because it sets the positive expectancy that helps you mentally even 
get into the trade, say, hey, I know that historically this process works really well. Today may be different, but historically this should do well. So how do you do any backtesting on your end? No, I did that a long time ago. Um, But yes, I have. I have done a lot of backtesting. I mean, if you think back to when I lost all that money and I had no money to trade with, that's exactly what I did. You know, I went back to school almost and I learned and um, that's exactly what I did was I knew I just had to do things better um, and be a little bit more methodical, a little bit more objective, as you say, a bit more mathematical, um, you know, clearly defined rules rather than, you know, me putting my hand across a big chart and just say, I want the chart to do this. You know, that's not very specific. Um, It's like putting a big hand over a small map, a map of a country and going, I'm going to go and visit here. Where? Like, tell me where a bit more specific. Yeah, exactly. So Put it on the US and you have like 50 50 states to choose from, right? So be a little bit more precise than that, a little bit more clearly defined. Um, And I'm very much a yes or no. Just because those 12 stocks appear in my report, I'm not trading all 12. I'll be lucky to trade two. But that's the great starting point. I don't have to look at 488. And that to me is a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have to waste my time looking at the others. I couldn't agree more. hmm. So, um, Stuart, we want to make sure that everyone gets a copy of Trading in a Nutshell. Oh, that'd be very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Where, I mean, what's about, can we get it on Amazon? Is it, is it on all the retailers? You tell me. I think you can get it through Kindle. Yes. Is okay. Amazon, Perfect. I think. Yes. Um, yeah. You, I mean, my website, you mentioned before. Yes. StuartMcPhee.com. But... We want to make Correct, sure everyone that's just my, checks that sort of out. My profile sort of page. For people, um, but yeah, I think on Amazon it's available through all those various ebooks. Oh, here, here's the way to do it: stuartmcfee.com, and then click on the books button. You got the link right there. I got Perfect. it. There you go. Thank you. There we go. Well, Stuart, this has been great. I uh, I'm so glad to to meet a person that has a shares a lot of the synergies that I do with trading, um, and it's really it's comforting to me to hear <laughs> that you and I have both gone through a lot of the same experiences. Uh, that you know helps helps give a lot of legitimacy to where we are today because we we know what it's like to be on the other side of the tracks. Yes, yes. Stuart, what's what's a good takeaway that we could give our audience before we head out today? Oh, they may not like to hear this. Uh, put me on the spot here. I'm going to say trading is not easy. Um, that's what I would say. Don't think it's easy. Um, it's probably the hardest easy money there is. You know, it's just. Uh, and I don't mean to demotivate. I just really want to be very open about, um, you know, because I've been there myself where I was first introduced to this idea of buying and selling things. And I'm thinking, how easy can this, like, how easy will this be? All you've got to do is make two decisions, buy and sell. That's it. How difficult can this be? Right. And that was me. You know, that was me. So I went in there and lost lots of money and had no idea what I was getting myself into. I'm not saying it's beyond anybody. Um, I'm just saying it's not as easy as you think it probably is. Um, therefore, just prepare your mind for a lot of work, uh, a lot of study, a lot of testing, uh, a lot of changing the way you view the market and changing, you know, a lot of things you have to do are counterintuitive. You have to be very disciplined and I can mention all these other attributes. So takeaway would be it's well worth it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's just tremendous benefits of this sort of profession and doing this you know geographical freedom um you know you know doing it for yourself etc etc but it is just not easy so be prepared for that and be prepared to do a lot of work if you want to be successful 
Well, I, I think that's a great takeaway. Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the line today. It's my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. It's You're very welcome. And thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.